This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, welcome to RSCC and good morning. It is good to be with you guys, and I'm excited about today's message. We are in this series called We Need to Talk About It, where we're taking issues that we haven't talked about or we need to talk about, maybe we churches don't talk about, we don't want to talk about, and, and last week we looked at mental health, so today we'll look at a, a little lighter topic, and next two weeks we'll look at a little bit deeper topics. I, I don't want to kind of give, give it away. I want you to show up next week and t- uh, so you can hear what we're talking about, and then Adam will finish the series off, but today um, we're going to have a conversation on on something uh, I think is important, and you know, I know sometimes we think things don't apply to us, but I guarantee you, if you open your ears and hearts, that this is something that applies to you or someone you love. So I want to start with a question: How many of you are like uh, do-it-yourselfers, DIYers? Anybody? Like, hey, I want to do it myself. Okay, I think I like to think I am. Um, and then what happens, I try to fix something, and I end up calling Josh the drummer, and he has to come over and fix it for me. So, if you're like me, I wanna sh- I'm going to show you some pictures, right? So, so, I found on the internet, it says, works great. I can feel the cold air already, right? They're putting the air conditioner in backwards, right? Okay. That, that's great. Right, hey. All right. There's even two of them they don't realize they're doing. Here's the next picture. What about this? Like putting a bed frame together. All of a sudden, you, you look, come in the room, and your uh, little step ladder's in between it, right? I would tell Whitney, oh, well, right? We're just sleeping like this from now on. Okay, here's another one. I like this one a lot, right? Hey, do your own plumbing, they said. It's easy, they said, right? Your basement ends up flooded. And then I did this by the river, because I've seen this happen before, right? So, hey, guys, you want to put your boat, into the, you know, your boat into the water, and then you end up like this, right? Go on Google and type in, but, um, you know, failed boat launches, you will find hundreds of pictures that look like this, right? And so there's just something in us, right? We, we want to do our own thing. We want to wear what we want to wear. We want to fix something when it's broken. We want to fix our car. We don't want to pay someone else to do it. We want to go where we want to go. We want to eat what we want to eat. We want to hear what we want to hear. We want to listen to what we want to listen to. We want things to look the way we want them to. We want everything to go the way we want them to be. And what we want is deep down, we all want to do what we want to do. Every single one of you, including me, you want to do what you want to do. Now, you wouldn't say it that way. You may not acknowledge it, but trust me, I've, I've been working at this church for eight years. Some of us just want to do what we want to do and hear what we want to hear, right? And, and, and want things to go our way. We all have this desire that we want to do what we want to do. And so I want to do, what I want to talk about is kind of take this phrase, but look at a, a deeper phrase, a, a phrase that it kind of leads to. And so we need to talk about it, and it kind of leads us to a mindset. This leads to a mindset that has crept its way into the culture. I hear this all the time, I mean, and even Christians I hear this from, or, and it gets, more unpop- it gets more popular over and over as we continue to be a culture that wants to do what we want to do. And it's this phrase, maybe you've heard it before, God wants us to be happy, and if something makes us happy, then it can't be bad. Right? You ever hear that? God wants us happy. And, and if, if, if something makes us happy and God wants us happy, well, come on now. It really can't be that bad. And then we hear phrases like this. Do whatever makes you happy. Any, ever heard that? Follow your heart. Right? right? Well, the Bible says some things about following your heart. It says it's deceitful above all else. Or the most important thing in life is, is, to, you, is to pursue your own happiness. You know, everybody has their own version of happiness. So you pursue your version. Or God really wants me to be happy. 
I think people say like this, well, why can't you be happy for me? This makes me happy. I know you may not agree with it, but it makes me happy. And really, the reason this, this kind of happens in culture, you see it all the time. You see it in movies. You see it in TV. You see it in sports. You see it in churches. You see it all the time. You hear it all the time. And really, the root of this idea comes from this, the type of culture we live in. And we live in this relativistic culture. And that means relativism. And relativism is this, basically. Your truth is your truth. And my truth is my truth. There's no absolute truth. And, and if, it makes, if you think it's true and it works for you, then it's good. But it, you may not think it's true, but it works, you, something else works for you. And, and that's true. So we live in this relativistic culture where there's no thing as absolute truth. Truth then becomes what? Truth becomes whatever makes me happy, whatever makes me feel a certain way, whatever may, I agree with, that is what truth is. And, and then this at least an issue. It leads to this issue. Happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. And this right here is where culture is. You see it all the time. Happiness, if it makes me happy, if it makes me feel a certain way, that's how I judge my actions. Not by what God says. Not by what is right or wrong. Not about what tradition says. Not what is written in the Bible. Because, you know, the Bible was written so long ago, can we even believe it anyways, right? You hear things like that. Happiness becomes the standard by which I ju- judge my actions. And, and we, you may not have thought about this way, but you see it play out, and I see it play out all the time, and you see it play out in, in life. And, and then it leads to this mindset, and something's happened. There's been this disconnect from maybe churches and Christianity, and, and maybe we're to blame for it, I don't know. But what happens is that we, we want to pursue happiness above all else. Most people's main goal, psychology tells us, is to pursue things in life naturally that makes them happy. We all want to pursue our version of happiness or the things that make us happy. And then something happens is you hear this happiness and it gets twisted. So now something happens is like, okay, I want to be happy and I'm I'm forced with a a choice. I can do what makes me happy, right? And everybody wants to be happy. Or I can do what God wants me to do. This is the dilemma that happens. So I can do what makes me happy, or I can do what God wants me to do. But if I do what God wants me to do, I'm not going ha- to be happy. I'm not going to have fun. My life is going to be boring. I'm going to miss out on things. So I want to be happy. So therefore, I have to do my own version of happiness. I-, I love how one minister put it. He goes, for many people, or the problem is, we think that happiness and holiness, holiness, living the way God has called us to live, are at odds. So he's like, the problem is, you think you can be either happy or holy, and we're at odds. And so I thought of thinking about this. I started thinking about this this week. I remember before I went to church, I lived in a small town like Rising Sun. And I had, on Sunday mornings, I would drive around, right, on my bicycle, cruising around as a young punk on the streets and not going to church. And I was like, man, I would go by all these churches. You know how small towns in the Bible Belt, we got like 400, 400 churches and 1,000 people, right? About a church about every person, right? So we got so many churches. And then I started real, remembering, like, I'm seeing the people go into those churches, and they look miserable, right? They look unhappy. Sometimes, well, let's be honest, sometimes Christians, we look unhappy. We look miserable. And I'm like, hey, listen, I don't know about these people, but if that's what they're doing in that building, they're miserable and unhappy, I don't want anything to do with it, right? So then I, then I started you know, hearing about Christianity. Then I thought, okay, again, I could be happy, live what my, do what my family does, or I could be over here, be stuck in khaki pants and polo shirts the rest of my life, 
listening to DC Talk or Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith, whatever you guys listen to, right? And only watching Pure Flix. So I was like, well, if that's the choice, then I'm staying over here because I want to be happy in life. And, and I think what happens is sometimes because of the way we live, sometimes because we're bad representations of Christianity, um, that we, we think we have to make a choice. Happiness or holiness. And, and that's not the choice. That, that's not the option at all. That's not what we have to do. So we, we're faced with a dilemma. I want to do what God wants me to do, but I want to be happy. But I don't know if happiness can be found in doing what God wants me to do. Which we all know here. Okay, that's not the truth, right? That's not the truth. Matter of fact, I'll say this, and maybe some of you will disagree, you'll argue, you come, and you can argue with me all day. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. You're not going to change my mind. God does care about your happiness. God does care. God, God cares about your happiness. Why would he create us if he didn't, right? But here's the issue. It's not our definition of happiness. And the problem where this choice becomes, well, I want to do what makes me happy. And if, if, if what makes me happy is different than what God wants me to do, then I'm at odds of holiness and happiness. Well, what happens is we try to find happiness in our definitions of happiness, not God's. We, we try to find it in sins or, or sex or pleasure or things of this world and, and not in God's definition. But the Bible does kind of talk about joy and happiness and rejoicing. Paul wrote a couple verses and I want, I, want, I want to show you what they say. In Romans it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Where are you to find your happiness? Not in, in your definition, but in the God who offers these things, right? And, 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 you know, so it says, God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So find it in God. Philippians, he wrote, while he's in jail, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Does he say rejoice in the things you want to do? Rejoice in sex. Rejoice in making money. Rejoice in the sins. Or enjoys, rejoice in whatever makes you happy. He, goes, he says no. Rejoice in the Lord. Here's what I'm saying. God created you with a capacity for joy. And God created you with a capacity for happiness. But to find it in him. What is scary about the phrase, I'm going to do what makes me happy and God must love it, or God, if God wants me to be happy, then I can do whatever I want, is what, where we try to find happiness. So the question isn't, am I trying to be happy? Is, it's not, well, do I have to choose holiness or happiness? The question becomes, what are you turning to to find happiness? What are you turning to to find fulfillment? What are you turning to to find security? What are you turning to to fill that void that you're looking for in your life, because that's what happiness, that pursuit of happiness is. We're looking to fill something in our life that we don't f feel like we currently have. So what are we turning to for happiness? So today what I want to do is I want to go to the very beginning. Well, not quite the very beginning, but if you've got your Bibles, I want to go to Genesis 11. And there's going to be nine verses, and there, it's just plugged in there. But I want to set the context. So the, the Bible starts in Genesis, and it says, In the beginning, God created. And if you can get behind those words, if you can get behind the words, In the beginning, God created, then everything else that we, we believe is, or everything else we're going to talk about, you can get behind. So in the beginning, God created, and he started creating things. Then eventually he creates Adam and Eve, and, and they're in Eve. And they're in paradise. And Adam and Eve are created to, to walk in happiness and be content and filled with the Lord. Walk with the Lord. And then the serpent comes into the story, right? And you know how it goes down. And then he says, well, did God really say? And that's how everything starts. That's how all the problems start. Did God really say? 
And then they start having this conversation. And then he convinces Adam, he convinces Eve, and eventually Adam does it to find happiness and fulfillment outside of what God has already created. And because they do this, they disobey God, sin enters into the world. And now Adam and Eve are kicked out of paradise. And now things are not the way they were supposed to be. They were the way they were supposed to be. And everything was great. But sin enters into the world. And now things are not the way they're supposed to be. And sin starts playing, you know, having its course in humanity. And then you read a story of Cain and Abel where one brother killed another brother and then we get to the story uh, by Noah and by the time we get to Noah in just a couple chapters in Genesis God's kind of regretted what he's created and there's so much evil and so much destruction in the world that that he's like okay I'm going to just wipe it out but then he finds Noah and he says Noah you are righteous and I'm going to save you I'm going to save your family so he sends down the flood and and the flood happens and he saves uh, Noah and his family and then he's going to basically in some capacity start over with Noah and they're told to do this in Genesis 9 they're basically told Noah and his family are told to you know to, to scatter and multiply right have a lot of babies aka right have some fun have some babies multiply and fill the earth okay so they're supposed to do that that's what they're supposed to do multiply and fill the earth well a couple generations after Noah we see his descendants the genealogy starts to play out and I think in in uh Genesis 10, it starts to play out, the genealogy. You read all these names that you guys skip over, right? And then we get to chapter 11. Chapter 11, we read about some of Noah's descendants. And here's what's going on. Genesis 11, verse 1. Now, the whole world had one language in common speech. So at this time, they, they could understand each other. At this time, they, they could communicate with each other. They had one common speech. Right? And as people moved eastward, they found it in a plain, Shinar, right? And settled there. So they're supposed, to, they're supposed to scatter, but now they've settled, right? And they said to each other, come on, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And it continues. He says, and they used the brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, right? Let's build a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So what we just read is this beginning count of the Tower of Babel. And for some reason, this is one of those stories that you were told in Sunday school, right? And what, what are we told? Well, we're told that they're trying to build this tower up to the heavens, right? And they're trying to reach God by building this tower, and God didn't like it. And, and, and yes, it, you know, we, we know they're trying to build this tower, but it's a little bit deeper to us. Well, why are they trying to build a tower? Well, one people say that scholars believe one they wanted to get back at God for some reason right they they also said well because of their pride or or they, they wanted to do something on themselves they were they're filling themselves they, they they wanted to do what makes them happy and the root of it is all these verses is they wanted to do what made them happy so here's what they do they're like we God we know you say scatter God, we know you say multiply, uh, the scatter and, and, you know, multiply and make, fill the earth. And we know you said that, but they crossed their arms and said, you know what, God, we got better plans. See, what you want us to do doesn't really work for us, right? And you created us, right? You created us to be in relationship with you, but we want to do what makes us happy. And God, we know you say scatter and we know you say multiply and you, I, we know you say you don't want us to be in groups together, but... We got a better idea. Here's our idea, God. Listen up. Here's here's our idea, verse four. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to do three things, right? Let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we will make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. So 
Let's just break these down. Here's how we're reading it. These three things right here that we just read, right? This is what makes them happy. This is what makes them unhappy. Being scattered makes them unhappy. This, this list of things makes them happy. So they want to do what they want to do, right? They want to do what makes them happy. So they do three things, and here's what they do, right? They, they, they plan to build a city. Well, we'll break these down in a moment. They plan to build a city, right? They're like, hey, we're not going to scatter. What's the opposite of scattering? We're going to build a massive city, right? And what happens at times, this time in culture? When you build a city, you build a wall around it, right? And you build a wall around it to keep everybody out. So they're going to build this city that is going to literally keep them in, right? So the very opposite of what God wants. Then they're going to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. We'll get to that because that's important in a second. Then they're going to make a name for themselves. Why do they want to do this? To be happy. So we read this story and we're like, well, what? what's the big deal? They want to be happy. They want to do what they want to do. We all do what we want to do. What's, what's the big deal? The issue or the, the sin, if you will, it's, it's not easy to spot, is it, for some of us? It's like they want to build a tower. You go to Cincinnati right now, there's like 400 towers. New York, they're all to- there's towers everywhere, right? There's towers. They want to build a city and a tower. What's the big deal? We can't openly see their sin. Like, you can openly see when someone is killing someone. You can a lot of times tell when someone is lying. You can see someone steal. But, but what, what is going on here is what we can't see. What we don't see is, is what's going on is the mindset, the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is it's rebellion against God. Sin, right? It's what which rebellion is. They're doing the opposite of what God wants. And they are chasing their happiness over God's desires for them. God's desires was the scatter. Their happiness was found in a city, in a tower, and they make a name for themselves. So they crossed their arms, said, God, we got this. I want to be happy. I want to do what I want to do, God. I got this. We got this. We got this. And here's the problem. They wanted to do what they wanted to do more than they wanted to do what God wanted them to do. Right? That's what happens in our lives. We want to do what we want to do. Okay, wait, listen, listen, listen. I know, I know the Bible says that. And I hear this all the time. The Bible said that, but it was written to a culture then, and it made sense then. But this is 2022, right? We have, we have technology. We have advanced. People have advanced, right? And we want to do it. It makes us happy. We know. We know it's going it, to, God doesn't agree with it, but it makes me happy. It makes me happy. I feel good. And if it feels good, it can't be bad. And who are you to tell me about something that is bad if it makes me feel good? Right, it makes me feel good. Okay, listen, listen, listen. I know, I know back in the day that you didn't sleep around before marriage, but that's just old school. But it makes us happy. We love each other. We know, we know, we know we're not supposed to. But it makes us happy. You see, all of a sudden, we, we look at this story from thousands of years ago, and we can see in many of our lives that in many capacities, we do what we want to do more than what God wants us to do. That our, our number one desire is like, hey, I want to be happy. I want to I find joy. I want to find contentment. I want to I be pleasured in this life. Yes, and I'll, I'll, live obedient, I'll live obediently to God if it fits into my schedule, if it fits in the way things I want to do. So these people, the root is, they wanted to do what they wanted to do more than what God wanted, right? They wanted to do, more, they wanted to do their thing more than, than they wanted to do what God wanted them to do. So they do two things, three things. They build a city. And, and why is that a big deal? Well, one, it's the, the exact opposite of what God said. 
Building a city and staying put is the opposite of scattering. But they said this city is where they found happiness, it said. This city is where they they would be technologically advanced. In this city, in a group, is where they could do more together than they could do alone. And a lot of the things and the pleasures that they found in life would be found in this very city. And that's why today, people move to cities. They move to Las Vegas. They move to, to Los Angeles. They, they, they move to New York. They move to Chicago, right? And, and they move to the city because in the city, as you can find more things to do, right? So in the city, it would be more pleasure, would be more happiness. And, and this is just a, a side note. So God says scatter. And, and a, kind of a, a throwaway lesson is God always pushes his people to look outward, right? God is always, if you read out throughout scripture, it's outward focus. It's never inward focus, to multiply towards sending and giving. But sinful men or rebellious men always look inward toward building for his happiness and his glory. All right, so again, we see that playing out. They're looking inward. God says, look outward and do my plan. They say, I want to do our plan, God. And so they build the city. Second is they build the tower. Now the tower is the biggest issue. The tower is the picture that creates all the issues. What the tower represented was pride. What the tower represented was this. God, we know more than you. God, we don't need you anymore. Many scholars believe that this tower would have been this uh, a pyramid-like structure that they would have built really, really high. And the structure and the way it was created would have been a, a, a place where they would have gone to worship. It would have been a place of religious tower in many capacities. So what they're literally physically trying to do is they're trying to build a tower that replaces God. And this tower is the, the root of all the rebellion. They're now saying, God, we're going to do what makes us happy, and we don't need you, and we know more than you. The third thing they try to do is they, they try to make a name for themselves. They want people to look at their city and look at their tower and say, look how great they are. Look how amazing they are. Look at the clothes they have. Look at the cars they have. Look at the house they have. And this is the exact opposite of what God's people are supposed to do. God's people are supposed to, say, are supposed to live in such a way when people look at it and say, man, look at what God's doing through them. Look at what God's doing in their lives. And these people are like, listen, we want to make a name for ourselves. And all three of these things, all three of these issues, they're trying to find happiness outside of God. They're trying, to build, they're trying to build a city. Isn't that interesting? They're trying to build their own paradise. Didn't God offer us paradise in the beginning when he created us without sin? Yeah. They're trying to, they're trying to you know, find fulfillment or, or joy in this life through a, through a tower. Didn't God say, hey, be in relationship with me and you'll be fulfilled? Didn't he already say, hey, I'll give you a name. You'll be mine. You'll live with me. Walk in harmony with me. Right, the the problem isn't that they're chasing joy or happiness. It's not that they, they want to be fulfilled in life and security. The problem is where they're looking for the happiness, where they're looking for for the joy, where they're looking for for the security. And it's, it's funny. Thousands of years later, we do the same thing. We want a city, don't we? Don't we want a city? A place to really feel safe and happy? Yeah, we do. We want a tower. Something that gives us value. Something that gives us pleasure. Something that's going to make us feel a certain way. Something that we're going to say, man, that feels so good. We want a tower. Also, 
Don't we want to make a name for ourselves? Don't we long to be known? So I want to talk about this. I really started thinking about this the week. We want these things in 2022, and this was in Genesis 11. This was years ago, thousands of years ago. We want a city. We want a tower. We want to be known. And I think you would agree with me, regardless of what you believe and, or where you're at in life and your spiritual walk, that most people want to be happy, they want to feel valued, and they want to be known. Right? I, I, you'd agree with that. I agree with that. So I started thinking about my own life and, and looking at my life and the things that I've longed for, the things that I've looked for for happiness. And, 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 I, and I went all the way back to my childhood. And one of the things I longed for for a long time, and I, I can't really articulate, I couldn't really put it in words, but I would put it as this word security. Security. I, you guys know my dad died when I was a young kid. Right? My mom married an abusive stepfather, and then he leaves us, and my mom is left with like $12,000 for three kids a year. And my, my entire childhood, I had no security. So I longed for a place where I could find security, where things weren't always changing. Then as a teenager, you know, it was kind of weird. I, I longed, it was different. I, I longed for, to be married someday. I never saw good marriages in my life, but I longed to be in a relationship where I felt loved and valued and, and someone chose me and I chose them. I longed for that. I also longed to, to be a dad or I longed to be a father because I didn't have a dad, right? And I longed for that feeling to, to have a dad, someone who loves me and I didn't have that. So I was like, man, I can't wait until one day when I can do that myself. I longed for that for years. Way before I ever got married, I wanted to be a father, right? I longed for that. Uh, and sometimes I still find myself sitting and, and looking at, and longing for something in my life, longing for something that's going to give me security, longing for a city, longing for a tower, longing to be known. And maybe you're like me and, and, and you're just like, hey, I have these desires and I don't know what to do with them. And so there's this quote I heard this week and I love it. It says, these, these things, these longings where we're looking to find happiness and joy and security and contentment, these are but shadows. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but stream, streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. And here's what he's saying. Humanity is searching for happiness, for joy, for contentment. And they're searching for these things, that, that, those, those things in things. But they're just shadows. But the joy of God is the substance. They're just drops. But God is the ocean. And then you come to this conclusion that every tower you build in your life, and every tower I look back that I've tried to build in my life, and every time I try to build a city, and every time I've longed for something, it was just an attempt to regain something God had already designed to give you in himself. That's what's going on in the Tower of Babel. See, God already promises us where to find joy, where to find happiness, where to find security. And he says, find it in me. Not the things of this world. Not the longings that you think you have. See, they wanted their version of security and happiness. And they tried to gain something God has already promised them. 
in their obedience to him. See, they, they had this version. They convinced themselves that the only way they can get what they wanted in their life was to build a city, to build a tower, make a name for themselves. And God's like, listen, I promised it to Adam and Eve. I promised it to your ancestor, Noah. And, and all you have to do is be obedient to me and do what I want you to do and, and live the way I want you to do. All you have to do is, is scatter and multiply and live a life obediently to me and you will have the thing that you want. But they said, no, what, you know what, God? We want a city. We want a tower. We want to be known. We don't want your city. We don't want your tower. We don't want you to be known. We want to be known. And so it's the same thing we do. And out of that impulse to build a tower and be happy grows rebellion. What is rebellion? It's sin. Well, how do you understand sin? My favorite quote of all time about sin is you understand sin by the middle letter, I. I want what I want. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to get what I want to do. I'm going to do things my way. And if God gets in the way, so be it. If it lines up with God, so be it. But if it doesn't, I don't care because I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to find joy. And out of that grows rebellion. And and out of that grows issues. And and it's so so self-centered, isn't it? And it's so interesting, sin's three words, right? And the middle letter's I, three letters, and it's I in the middle letter, and I is how we think of, of our lives. We're so self-centered. I was reminded of this just a couple weeks ago. I was, we were eating with someone, and we were talking about kind of the, the birth experience, right? Uh, you know, like how Natalie was born, how long did it take? And, and so they were asking Nat, uh, Whitney about it, and they were asking me about it. And this was my direct quote. I said, well, not much was happening, right? Like... Like, not much is happening. My perspective was, I'm just sitting here in this hospital. I can't leave this room, and I'm just bored. I'm just waiting for Thursday night football to happen, right? Like, nothing's happening to me. I feel good. I'm doing push-ups. I'm doing jumping jacks. I I feel good, right? That's my perspective. Like, I just like, nothing's happening. Nothing was happening. Meanwhile, Whitney's perspective was, "Um, hello, I'm sitting in this bed with contractions, about to push your baby out. Something's happening, right? But I think it's like, man, we just... We become so self-centered. And then all of a sudden, we start living like, hey, I'm going to do what makes me happy. And all of a sudden, you look at culture. And all of a sudden, you look at a culture that is so separated, so far from what God wants you to do. Well, why? Because we live in self-centeredness. That's why abortion numbers are on the rise. That's why sexuality and gender is being attacked. That's why God's word is being attacked. That's how you get a culture who lives further and further from what God wants you to do and cares less and less every single day. Because we live in rebellion, because we live in this impulse to, to, to pleasure ourselves. And what sin does, it isolates, but it also separates. It separates you from God, it separates you, you from yourself, it separates your relationships. And I love how the, James put it, and I know we did a whole series on the book of James, but I love this, this verse. Then after desire has conceived, it, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I love the imagery, right? It's the imagery of a lady giving birth, but here's the imagery. I have this little sin in my life. It's so cute, right? You see it right here? It's cute. It makes me happy. No, it's not hurting anybody, right? I'll put it at the end of my bed. I'll put it on my stool. I'll make it look good. Like, I'll dress it up. I'll I'll decorate it, and I'll put it in a stroller, and I'm just going to carry this little sin around, right? It's it's cute, right? Like, so what you do with a little baby, it's cute. Like, I love it. This little sin in my life, right? Like, awesome. Instead of this little light of mine, you can sing this little sin of mine, right? Awesome. I got this little sin. It's cute. It's not hurting anybody. It's making me happy. What's, What's James says? Say gives birth to sin, right? But we know that those little babies, right? They grow up, 
that little sin, it grows up. And when it's fully grown, what does it do? It gives birth to what? It gives birth to death. The little cute little sin, right? The little cute little sin grows up. It gives birth to death. And all of a sudden, that thing you thought brought you pleasure, all of a sudden, that thing you thought brought you happiness, all of a sudden, that thing you thought was going to be your security, all of a sudden, that thing you thought was going to be the thing that you were missing in your life, it's the very thing that brought to death to you. It's the very thing that separated you from your faith, the very thing that separated you from your family, the very thing that destroyed your marriage, the very thing that destroyed your relationship with your kids, whatever it may be. And when, it gives, you know, when sin it gives, is fully conceived, it brings death. And what you're going to see is that this sin separates. And really, that's the scripture, that's the kind of thing in the New Testament. It is, the sin keeps getting worse and worse and it continues to separate and separate and separate from God. So they build this tower, they build this city, they want to make a name for themselves, and we continue reading in verse 5 and verse 6. But the Lord came down. I love that line. But the Lord came down. Now he came down. So they're going to build this massive city, they're going to build this massive city, uh, tower, but no matter how big it was, no matter how great they thought they were, God still has to come down. God is still bigger. God is still greater. God is still the one in charge. No matter how great they were, God came down. And this is what he said. This was going on. And the, the, you know, he came down and the tower of the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. He's like, if they're doing this now with one language... And you can go into a whole, whole series of like, hey, when sinners or when people who are, are disregarding God's word get together, this is what happens, right? And so he's like, if they can do this with one language, if they're able to accomplish this, if I don't step in now, who knows what they can do? Who knows how far this will get? So it's like, we got to do something. And then verse 7 and through 9, so come let us go down. And the, the us is referring to the Trinity here, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's one of the, the things that makes the Scripture so amazing. It points to this, right? Come let us go down and confuse their language so they not understand each other, right? You know, so you guys know this. If there's a language barrier, it's, it's hard to do something, right? They don't understand each other. They can't build it. So he's like, let's confuse each other. So the Lord scattered them from all over the earth, and, and they stopped building the city, that's why it's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. Whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So he scatters them. The, the, and in an instant, everything that they thought made them happy, everything they thought they made them joy, joyful, everything they thought they found their security in was gone, because God changed the language and he scattered them. Remember, sin separates. He separates them. He separates them from each other, and all of a sudden, it stops. Their, 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 their happiness, their joy, their contentment, it's all gone in, a, in an instant. Because God says, listen, enough is enough. And I imagine as they're building it, they're like, man, we're doing this. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We're going to reach God. We're going to show God who's boss. And God comes down and says, listen, who do you think you are? You think a city's going to stop me? You think that puny tower is going to stop me? I created this entire world. Right? You think that's going to stop me? And then he scatters them. And he separates. And then the story of the Tower of Babel is done. And it's like, what do, what do we learn from this? And we could go a thousand different directions, a million different directions. And, and I've seen it preached on a million different ways. But here's what I want to do. I want to end with a reframing process. Reframing means to literally change the, the way you think. So we started with this idea of asking, what makes me happy? But I want to look at a different question. That the question shouldn't be, what makes me happy? And to do that, I, I want to take you to a letter written by Paul. 
It's in, letter, it's in the letter of Ephesians, and it's Ephesians chapter 5. And if you read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul starts talking about all these things that you shouldn't do, all these things that you, you think are going to make you happy. He's like, you need to stay away from all the, this way of living that you think is going to find contentment in. And he's like, you, you need to start asking yourself, not what makes me happy, not what makes me fulfilled. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. And he, and he puts it in one little verse, in Ephesians 5.10. And you can probably read this a thousand times and not even notice it. Carefully, so with thought, with prayer, with consideration, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. He said, reframe the way you think. Don't ask. The question is no longer this. Not does what I'm doing make me happy, but is what I'm doing pleasing God? Is the way I talk the way I act at church, the way I act Monday through Saturday, my relationships, my social media accounts, what I watch, how I think, the actions I take, is it, is it pleasing to God? Paul's like, you're to wake up every morning and you're to say something like this, God, I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. We got thousands of examples throughout the scripture of, of people living a life outside of you, but I want to please you. I want to do what makes you happy. I want to live in such a way that I'm living in harmony with you. I don't want to live in the moment. I don't want to live for this world. I don't want to live and just happy doing things that make me happy. No, God, I want to live a life that pleases you. And the promise of scripture is if you wake up that day, every day you start praying that prayer, you're going to start seeing God work in your life. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you and change you, and you're going to do a complete 180. You're going to start living a life that does please God. And you're not going to miss out. It's not going to be a lesser life. Because what the world won't tell you that we will tell you is they're out there searching for happiness in all the wrong places. But the happiest and most joy you will find in your life is when you're living a life that pleases God. That's the secret. That's the secret. No one tells us that, right? But that's the secret. Living a life that pleases God. And what's, we can go all day about pleasing God, but it means living like Jesus, pursuing God's kingdom above all others, pursuing God, righteousness and not happiness, running from temptation, running from sin instead of running to it. That's what it starts to mean to live a life that pleases God. So I want to end with a weird question and an illustration real quick, and then we'll, we'll leave you here, and maybe, hopefully, this will drive it home. I want to ask you a question. It's not going to be a question you think I'm going to ask you. Here's a question. Would a fish ever be happy on the beach? Not in the water, on the beach. So I want you to visualize this. You're on the beach. You're looking good. You got your beach bod. You've been working on it, man. All winter you're working on your beach bod, right? And you got, your, you got all the stuff. You got the, the umbrella. You got your little beach chair. You got your beach towels. You're looking good. And all of a sudden next to you is a fish out of the water. Would that fish ever be happy? No, right? Okay, what if I gave that fish a lot of money? Like, I just start walking up to that fish and like, hey, here's some money. Boom, 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 boom. Like, $100 bills dropping everywhere. I don't have too many $100 bills, but imagine if I did. Would that fish be happy? He had all the money. Would he be happy? No, right? Okay, wait, what about this? What if I walked up to that fish and said, hey, man, I'm going to go find all the best-looking fish in the sea, the best-looking lobster, the best-looking octopus, the best-looking uh, dolphin. We're going to leave the sharks alone, but we're going we're gonna to find you some good-looking fish. We're going to find you a nice honey, right? We're going to find you a girl, and, I bring, and we throw this big party for the beach, uh, uh, this fish on the beach. 
Is the, is the fish going to be happy? No, right? Wait, 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 wait. What if I gave it, like, say, listen, hey, I promise you, fish, I don't know your name, but I, I promise you, I'll put you on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, and I'll give you the biggest following you could ever imagine. The biggest one, right? They're gonna be, people are going to look at you and like, yeah, that's such a hot fish. It's such a good-looking fish, right? You're going to get so many likes, so many retweets. You're going to get so many views. Would that fish be happy? No. Is, let me ask a better question. Is there anything I could do to give that fish to be happy on that beach? The answer is no. Why? It wasn't created to live on the beach. We wonder why we look at this world and we chase and we chase and we chase. You wonder why the things that you thought make you happy, you get them and then you feel, find out that doesn't make you happy. And, and then, and then you, you chase something else and you get it and you find out that doesn't make you happy. And it's like whatever you really do, you, there's always this longing that you're not truly fulfilled. Why is that? Because you were not designed for this world. You, weren't, you were designed by God, f- for God, to live a life that pleases God. And if you're not living life for God or pleases God, you can throw money at it. You can throw entertainment at it. You can throw whatever you want at it. It's never going to be enough. Why? You weren't designed for this world. You're designed to walk in harmony and live in harmony with God. People search and search for happiness. And God said, you know what happiness is? Where real joy comes from? It comes from the son I sent to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He said, joy and contentment and security and purpose, the city, the tower, making a name for yourself, it's found in the only gift I can give. It's found in my son, Jesus. That's what happiness says. Your life is fulfilled. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. But it's found in Jesus. Not in what makes you happy, not in what makes you feel good, but in my definition. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you are a God who, who cares about us enough to, to send us your son, to send us your son to find security in, to, to, the city, that the one day we're promised the city of eternity with you, the tower, to, to find happiness. We're promised that when we, when we give up our life and, and we, we pursue you and we pursue your righteousness and Jesus' righteousness, that life will have fulfillment. Father, it may be up and down, but we'll be fulfilled and we'll be secure in who you say we are. And Father, you said we don't make a name for ourselves. We make a name for Jesus. We make Jesus be known. And Father, you promise us that when we do that, that will be a life worth living. So if there's anybody here today who needs to have a conversation about that, needs to make a decision to, to give their life to you, to give their life to the one who gives them purpose, meaning, and security, Father, I would love to do that. For the rest of the time, I pray we stand and we worship and we focus on the, the King of Kings, the one where we find joy, happiness, and contentment in. It's in your name we pray. Amen been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.